Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I was just like you to where the first few deals, my mentality was, I'll use my own money. I'll make my own mistakes. And that way, if I lose it all, it's my own money, not somebody else's. So while I still wish I would have started raising capital earlier, I think it was still good that I did the first couple on my own to make my own mistakes with my own money. And then it gave me confidence to use other people's money. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Chad Sheeler. Chad is joining us from Fishers, Indiana. He is the founder and principal of Focused Capital. They are a value-add multifamily syndication firm in the Midwest. Chad's portfolio consists of 140 units across six properties. Chad, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Doing great, Ash. Good, man. We're glad to have you here. Chad, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So I spent the last 17 years in the electronic payments industry, serving small businesses with their credit card processing services and point of sale systems. Well, I did very well at that. I now take an opportunity to develop the real estate company. And right now we're focused on building out a local team to develop a firm foundation for the next couple of years ahead. This year, our goal is $20 million in asset purchases. So yeah, that's, that's our goal right now. That's what we're focused on, value add. You started with, we're focused on building out our team. Did the team start first? Did this vision start first? Or did the first deal start first? The first deal started first. Didn't intend to have a team to build out. It kind of was a hobby at first. And then it kind of evolved over time. Had a couple partners here and there. And now I've got a clear vision I'm more focused on. That's building a local team here. What was the hobby? Was it single family houses? A fourplex. A fourplex. I skipped all those. Yeah. yeah. Smart man. Let's dive into the numbers on that. How long ago was that? So I bought that one in March of 2020. Oh, just before the COVID lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, that was what was the purchase time. price? 230. I actually bought it sight unseen. I paid 10,000 too much for it. I knew I paid too much for it, but I knew I had to get started. I like it. Where was it? Indianapolis. So north, northeast side. Why was it sight unseen when it's only an hour away from you? 
I had looked at properties in the street before. I knew they're all four bucks the one this one street. I knew what they were and I kept missing out on these opportunities. So one Saturday morning, like 8 a.m., it popped up on the MLS, got a notification about it. I texted my realtor and said, put an offer in, give them two hours to respond. We'll give them 10K over asking. And then it was mine. How many deals did you miss out on that you were that jaded where you had to just do this? <laughs> Probably 10 that I offered on, which in the scheme of things is not a lot. Most guys offer on like 100. But to me, I knew that getting my first deal was so crucial that if it cost me $10,000, it was a small price to pay to learn and get experience. Yeah, I applaud you for that. There's no substitute to being out there and getting deals done. So $230,000 for a fourplex, was it in need of heavy rehab? A lot rehab, it was actually fully vacant, which I didn't get an inspection either. So I had two mistakes right there, but it ended up being a good deal. The play there was to do light renovations. We fixed some of the floors, just a basic paint, nothing major at all. We put about 20K into it on the whole building and then held it for a while, learned a lot of lessons about the master company. And then we sold it off market 18 months later. Man, you had a management company for a fourplex. You read the book, Who Not How, didn't you? Dude, that's my best ever book. <laughs> Listen, the Who Not How, you got to learn how to do this stuff first and then I know. offload it. But I like my, it. My I wife like kept telling me no for years and years. She's like, you're not going to manage the properties yourself. We're not going to do that. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just have some else do it for me, which was actually the best <laughs> play to go with. What were the hard lessons you learned about the management company? There's none that are awesome. I feel like they all, they've all got things about them that aren't like great. And when you're starting with only a fourplex, you're not going to get the pricing you get when you have 500 units. So you kind of learn who's going to nickel and dime you. You learn what they're focused on. They're usually only focused on top line revenue. It's what they're paid on. They're not focused on expenses or NOI growth. You learn the turnover time. And this one in particular just was very, very slow at leasing. And just communication wasn't very good. I since then part of ways the company went somebody else much better. But you learn a lot about just how they operate and communication style and the speed of Turnover is so important. Your vacancy is what can kill a, kill a property. Do you still own this property today? No, I sold it off market 18 months later. What'd you sell it for? 300000 See, that's a win. Yeah, it was. It ended up being a win after all. What's the next deal that you did? After that, I bought that in March. And then about eight months later, I bought a 15 unit. There's a little tertiary market. In Indiana? Yep. All of these are in little markets around Indianapolis. Okay. Are you doing this full-time at this point? Pretty much. I'm about three to four hours a week in my other business right now that I still have, but this is pretty much full-time for me. Okay. What was the numbers on the six unit? The 15 unit? Oh, sorry, 15 unit. Yeah. We bought it for 785. I did a JV with a partner friend of mine. I was 80, he was 20. And it had a ton of deferred maintenance. This is probably the one that I learned the most lessons on. We had budgeted about 250K for innovations. We went about 100K over that. We just stabilized it last month, actually. So it took a little while to get it stabilized, but we're getting much higher rents we thought we would get, and it's going nice now. What's the play? Are you going to keep this for a while? No. Wait for rates to come back down, and then I'm probably going to trade it out, do timber when I exchange something else. Are you in a locked yeah. interest rate? Yeah, I only have done fixed rate debt so far. Good. Yeah, we're at 5% on that one. Did you have a property manager for this one too, I imagine? Oh, of course. <laughs> All right. Your next deal, you have a JV partner on this and were they primarily there for capital? 
No, he was the one that found the deal for me. He's got a broker's license and he was contributing a little bit of capital and a little bit of time. So we split kind of pro rata of what our equities were. Okay. And he gets some reward for finding the deal as well. Yeah. We're splitting at 80, 20, basically. Got it. And the next deal after that, because we got a ways to go to get to 140 units. Yeah. It goes kind of fast here pretty soon. Then right, I have got go. about, a, about a 20 unit in Columbus, Indiana. That one's been a freaking home run. CapEx budget is like half what I thought it would be. We're getting rents way over the top. Demand's great over there. That's been great. Then I bought a... Then wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Why is that one so great? Why is that a home run? Okay, so this property was so well-maintained by the previous owner. We've had very, very little maintenance issues. I underwrote it much more conservatively because I had learned first two properties how to underwrite better and how to not make mistakes. So we've already hit our stabilized values much faster than we thought we would. I think the market is demanding higher rents we thought it would get, which is great. It's a great Why upside. is that? The jobs there are really great. There's a lot of growth in the area. It's not like a major MSA, but it's a great blue collar town and there's no new development there. So what product is on the market is there. So we've had a lot of interest in the property. And I'm hoping you took that knowledge about the demographics, the jobs, the area and applied it to the next purchase. Yeah, I did. Okay. And you found something that also required very little maintenance. Well, the next one had a little more work to it, but it was a big discount. And it's a good deal. In between that point in time, I joined a mentoring program and that enabled me to learn more about syndications. And I put together a syndication deal on a 67 unit property, got my first experience raising capital, uh, the whole nine yards, PPM, attorney stuff. But that one's been a good experience so far too. How did you raise capital for that? At this time, did people know what you were doing? I kept it all under the radar for a long time. I didn't start really promoting this business until a couple months ago on LinkedIn and online. For that one, I had two friends of mine that were partners. So you raised money from two people? Yeah, so two friends of mine, they raised most of the capital. And I raised a very small part of that. My lead role in that deal was I found the deal, I underwrote it, I managed the whole entire closing process. And now after acquisition, my role is basically a business plan oversight. The two partners on this deal, was it a partnership just for this deal or was this a partnership for everything we do going forward? This was actually a partnership for this deal. And I forgot to tell you about a deal between this one and the 20 unit. We did 25 units together as well. So these two partners of mine, we did two deals together. And so going forward, you're still able to do your own deals with different partners or just solo. Yeah. My mentality right now is our agreement was we'll do two deals together with those two partners, and then we'll kind of see how things go. I want to give it some time with that syndication to let the dust settle and just kind of see how everyone connects together and meshes. And then going forward, I'm open to co-GPing with other partners as needed. I think it's important to have complementary skill sets on every deal. There's not a lot of overlap in skills. Yeah, such an important lesson, Chad. A lot of people from the tech world they saw what you do is you get a group of friends together, you start a company and hope you make it big. And what you're doing, I think, is the right way to do it. You test partnerships deal by deal. And if things go well, look at forming an entity going forward, but don't handcuff yourself to partners if they haven't been tested. So I applaud you again for doing that. Do you raise any of your own capital today or do you rely on others to do that? Yep, I am now. So after that deal, I think I realized that I've got a skill myself, kind of a sales guy by nature, I feel like, but 
I actually really enjoy talking to people about the capital raise, about real estate. So ever since January of this year, just three short months, I've now taken a lead on capital raise. That's probably my number one task that I do, my number one revenue activity. What are the action items that it takes to go from somebody relying on others to raise money to becoming a capital raiser yourself? One, you got to let people know what the hell you do, right? Because no yep. one knew you're this real estate guy that's doing these awesome deals. So you got to put yourself out there. How'd you start doing that? Yeah, the first step was I recently started texting, emailing everybody with a non-ask approach. And I said, hey, I have a new project that I'm working on right now. Here's what I'm doing. I'm working with a mentoring program. I have a big team behind me. There's no deal today to invest in. But if I ever do have an opportunity, would you want to hear about it? I'll put you on my list. You won't hear from me every week. A couple times a year, I'll have a good deal. Just let me know and convenient. Made a very brief, non-confrontational, just very simple. You got great feedback from that. It was nice. Who did this go out to? Went to all the people that know, like, and trust me. So the lowest hanging fruit, the people that were my closest friends, maybe my closest business contacts, people in my family, which I didn't talk to those actually. I've tried to avoid some of the family, but just all my friends that already know me, that already know what I'm doing. That's the easiest ones to really target first. Can I push back on you? Yeah. Why not take everybody that's ever been in your email box for the last 10 years? I like that. I'll have to do that. Yeah, because look, you're going after the low-hanging fruit, the easy people, the people that know, like, and trust you, right? I'm coming from a point of experience where the very first time I sent out a newsletter, it literally went to everybody that's ever hit me up through email, and it was amazing. I had people respond that I knew for one or two years when they lived in Cincinnati, and then they moved away, but I hadn't spoken yeah. to them or emailed them in 20 years. And all of a sudden, wow. they're like, we've been looking to invest in real estate. We got $300,000 saved up, but we just don't know how to get started. So hit everybody up and yep. push back on me if you can. Not enough people do that. But why not share something personal about you? Obviously not in a text, but make it an email newsletter. Here's a milestone that we've hit. Here's a hard lesson that I recently learned. Here's a failure in what I learned from it. Some of the best newsletters I've seen written or some of the best guests that I've interviewed have been people that share their failures, shared hard lessons learned. And I think that's a great way to connect with your audience. So I'm going to challenge I, you, push yourself. Yeah, I do agree with that. And actually, I do send out newsletters every other month right now to my Good. whole group. Is yeah. it all business or is it some personal stuff in there too? It's some personal. It's mostly business. It's got maybe a, a book pick of the month in there, what we're doing as a team. But I will use a personal side like that. Thank you. And what's your goal with the newsletter? To get people to? My goal with the newsletter is it goes up to all my subscribers on my website. And my goal is to really stay front of mind, just keep relevant to them. Because a couple months may pass before I have a deal or don't have a deal. It could be six months. So stay front of mind and just keep them up to date on what I'm doing. And to get them to know, like, and trust you, as you said, right? Exactly. What better way to get them to really connect with you, know, like, and trust you other than sharing something like a secret about you or a lesson learned, a failure. As counterintuitive as that may sound, that really bridges a gap there. It shows you're human. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. always talks about the failures, talk about the wins. Yeah. And go through your inbox and look at all the newsletters that are just business. Look, this is my opinion and it's probably wrong, but 
I like keeping my newsletters in email format, not a bunch of marketing colors and bars. Pictures are great, but not a lot of formatting, not a lot of different colored text, bold, underlined, italic. Those just are difficult to read. They scream, here we are marketing something towards you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Would you rather have something professional or just something plain text email? You know, I think as an email user, I quickly just bypass anything that looks like marketing because we're always busy. We're so busy. So if it looks like just a regular email was sent to me, something casual, I think I'm more apt to open it up and read it and spend time in that than I would some advertisement. Yeah. So listen, all the best ever listeners out there that are listening, Chad is going through this evolution. So please take notes on the steps that he's taken. So you started the text email blast. You mentioned LinkedIn. That's a gold mine for getting yourself out there. What's that experience been like? I'm only a few weeks into that, honestly, and I'm still learning the algorithm and how to get the most impression and get people engaged. But my goal there is to share three different types of material. One is to share something educational to where I can be a leader or an expert in the field. I share lessons that I've learned, lessons on due diligence, inspections, that kind of stuff. I also want to share things about me and I focus capital, what we're doing, how we're growing. And then also want to show a third thing will be industry news. So we share some articles about rent growth growing up in Indianapolis. Maybe Indianapolis is a great place to start a business, that kind of stuff. I love that. That's great advice. The educational stuff, don't do, but I wrote down that I'm going to start doing that. The news is great. If you are at a loss of what you're going to post, go newsjack a story. Do a search for multifamily news, commercial real estate news, and find an article, put your opinion out there, and have an ask. What do you think? Do you agree Uh, with me? Push people and be like, somebody tell me I'm wrong. Disagree with me. And let's go. Right? Yeah. Good for you. I, I love that approach. How about your personal Facebook marketing? I don't have Facebook. I do have Instagram and I've tried to keep Instagram mostly personal. I sprinkle in the real estate stuff about once a week in there. I'll put something on the story. It's very, very light. I, I want to keep that separation between personal and business. I don't want to put it too business happy on Instagram, but I do a little bit. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has never missed a preferred payment never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital dot the bamcompanies.com are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space have you heard of mfin con happening in charlotte north carolina june 12th through the 14th the multifamily investor nation convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors if that's not enough for you 
A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. Instagram is more for entertainment Quick hits. Do you know anyone that's really successfully doing real estate on Instagram? Not that I know of. I don't either. Do you? <laughs> no, no, man. I keep seeing like sponsorship advertisements, but I'm not sure if they're working or not. I know. You go to Instagram for some quick entertainment. Do you really want yeah. to hear people pitching their latest investment? No. Right? Do, you, no. do you go there to be educated on what interest rates are going to do? No. I think there's people in my Instagram followers network that are interested in real estate. And my goal will be to move the ones out of Instagram into LinkedIn or out of Instagram on the website that are interested, put them in a funnel, give them more information, educate them more, and then follow that process. I like that approach. And have you had people direct message you from Instagram talking about real estate? Not quite yet. Like I said, I haven't done a ton on there yet, but what might be a good idea that I thought of is just like you mentioned with mass emailing everyone in my inbox, going through my Instagram followers and whoever I've had direct message with messaging them because they may not be in my inbox. It'd be a manual process, but that would be a way to target those too. Yeah. Do you include your Instagram and LinkedIn links in your newsletter? I don't. Listen, I'm thinking out loud with you. I think it might not be a bad <laughs> idea because I think it's a very divergent crowd. People that are either on Facebook or Instagram, they're rarely on both. Other yeah. than when you post on one, it posts on the other. I would recommend getting on Facebook. I think it's a lot more real estate centric than Instagram. Don't stop what you're doing because I think when somebody goes to invest with Chad, they're going to want to stalk you on all social media yeah. and make sure they can know, like, and trust you. So I think yeah. having that presence is awesome, but I would strongly encourage you to get on Facebook and do a mix of personal and business and join all of those real estate groups and connect. I've got a guy in my mastermind who everybody seemed to know. Everyone knew this name. His name was Vish Mooney. And when we started making introductions, everyone's like, yeah, I know that guy. I don't know where I know that guy. Finally, I asked him, how does everybody know you? And he's like, well, I made it a point to do one Facebook post per day for one year. And wow. it's amazing how many deals I've gotten, how many investors I've gotten. And his posts, they're not really real estate centric. They're motivational, pictures of him running a marathon or something, his family, a little bit of real estate sprinkled in. So I put that on my list of things to do. It's not getting done, but One uh, it works. I've seen it work from him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, social media is so powerful. It really is. Yeah. And if nothing else, make sure your Instagram posts hit your Facebook as well. One last piece of advice that really worked for me is on my newsletters, have a Calendly link. I used to put, Thank if you. you're interested, hit me up, yep. call me, email me, text me. As soon as I put, click here to schedule 30 minutes, 15 minutes with me. It's amazing how your calendar just fills up. Yeah. 
You knew that already. Good. Yep. I just learned that a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> These tools can be so efficient for you. Good for you. So now you've got momentum picking up. What are these conversations like with people that are interested in investing? Have they invested in other deals, the majority of them, or are they new to investing in real estate? I'd say a lot of these guys are a little newer to it. I'm thinking about the loan I had last week. He was actually vetting another company, which is pretty large, and vetting me out. He was a referral by a coach of mine. And after our discussion, he had never invested in real estate in the past. He always liked stocks and his own kind of stuff with his own advisor. When we were finished, he said, all right, I like what you're doing. I trust you. We got 500K on your next deal. Incredible. Yeah. Do you use a CRM to follow up with people or to put notes about them? Yeah, I do. I use Monday.com. Mighty.com? Uh, I'm sorry, Monday.com. Oh, sorry, Monday. Monday.com. Awesome. Good for you. So what's your next deal look like? Well, we're evaluating several right now. My next deal is probably going to be between 10 and $15 million. It's going to be a value-add deal in a great MSA market. It's got population growth behind it, great tailwind. It's got a big value-add component to it where we can grow the rents a couple hundred bucks a month or more per unit with some moderate renovations. Opportunity to get some great debt in the property as well and hold for five years and then rinse and repeat. And Chad, speaking with you for about a half hour, you're obviously a visionary. What is your vision for your company long-term? My vision long-term... By end of 2025, we will have $80 million as is in the management at a minimum. I think it's probably actually a low target, but I want to set something realistic based on where I'm at right now. My three-year goal, we will have a team of about 10 people, analysts, a closing guy, an asset manager, I'll have an investor relations person. I've got a couple of VAs right now to help me out. So right now we're going to build our team. We're going to keep pushing forward in today's climate. We're still making offers. We're still finding deals out there that may not pencil out today, but we're building relationships. Back to your who, not how. In yeah. 10 years, what's your role going to be? My role be CEO. And will you still talk to investors? I will. Yeah. What's the most fun thing that you do in this whole evolution? I get a rush when I get an offer accepted. I don't know what it is. It's like an endorphin high. I love finding properties and talking to brokers and getting an offer accepted, obviously, but talking to investors is a big deal as well. Helping them achieve their wealth goals is obviously important. And lately, I've actually been helping a few people find their first property. They've reached out to me for some mentorship advice. I don't do it at a cost right now, but I just offer free advice to help them out. And that gives me a lot of fulfillment. So you're a deal junkie like a lot of us, <laughs> I know. right? Yeah. Whether it's yeah. raising capital or actually finding the deals and executing on them. What's been your biggest challenge with investors? Are they skeptical of rates, the real estate market as a whole? Because all the clickbaity headlines, real estate's going to have a huge demise and it's going to crater. I don't believe that. I really don't. There's so much we demand. But in yeah. terms of investors, have you found yourself having to convince them that it's still potentially a good asset class? No, I haven't. I feel like this, Ash, it's black and white. I feel like either all about real estate, you want to invest in it, or you're not. You're that guy or you're not that guy. I haven't found anybody who's like on the fence. It's like you either are or you're not. And if you're not, maybe you're a connector and you have people that are interested. That's what I found so far. And again, I'm only a few months into capital raise, so I'll probably find those investors eventually. 
But people have a lot of questions. They want to know how I feel about the market. They want to hear about how we're underwriting conservatively to mitigate our risk. They want to hear how our past deals have done so far to kind of vet us as operators. So I think while they have a lot of questions, I think we give them reassurance and the fundamentals of multifamily as a whole, and that there will still be good investment going forward. Chad, you had some difficulty with your PM companies early on. What have you done different to find and manage property management companies better? Well, I've gotten referrals from people. So I found a company who was referred by multiple other operators. So that was good. I found ones that really do a lot better job at marketing. They drive leasing. They're great at quick turns. Our communication's great. The reporting's better. Really just getting referrals from people of what the best companies are. So I do a little better job interviewing them ahead of time to make sure I know what their goals are. And moving forward, one thing I'm going to do is we're going to give a small slice of the GP to the PM company because right now the interest may not be aligned completely because they're focused on top line revenue, not expenses in NOI. And I strongly feel that by giving them a couple points, they can get them more engaged and invested interest in making sure the NOI growth is seen the plan. Couple points on the GP. What if you do a percentage of the increased NOI instead? That's a great idea. I like that. Yeah, I don't like target. Here's the problem. When you have an employee, if you give them equity in your company, they are now on the books as someone who has ownership in your company. That's fine if there's a vesting period of five years where they've earned the right to be an owner alongside of you in your company. Another way for an employee would be profit sharing. If we do really well, you will get a nice bonus. So I like the incentive part with the PM company. Now, some property management companies would be like, damn, you know what? I own part of that. Let me take care of that one first. But if you find a lazy one, you can't pull back that GP that I gave you. You suck. You don't deserve this. I'm taking it back. Guess what? I'm on the paperwork. But instead, if you just have a side agreement that maybe doesn't even have to enter the PPM, it could be just a management incentive kind of thing. Yeah, um, give I love it to that. And make it so that you could take it back. If they are asleep at the wheel and your efforts are increasing NOI, hey, guess what? You failed. You're not getting it. This is so powerful, Ash, because part of what we do through due diligence is we get them to agree with our budget. So if you agree with the budget before we go into the property, that's saying that you agree that you can get the NOI. So you should be able to exceed this if we have incentivization property. This is great. I like that idea. Yeah. Look, this is all new to me too. I'm just thinking of this stuff out loud. I like it. And I bet a lot of people don't do what you're doing where they give the property management companies ownership or equity or a stake in this deal. So now they're vested. That's cool, man. Because look, you've met all those people that say, yeah, I own 30,000 doors because they're passive investors in 10 deals, right? Now, that's great if it's your PM company having other customers drive by and say, look, I'm part owner of that apartment complex there. Gives them that pride and they want to keep it up. So I like it. That's good awesome. Good here. Yeah. Thank you. This is good. What's been your hardest lesson learned in real estate? I think my hardest lesson was not getting started sooner. And I'm not going to regret the steps that I took to get started on the first deal. I never regret that at all. But 
I think two things. Can I give you two? Yeah, hit me. Okay. I think number one is I didn't get started back in 2012 when every year on New Year's Eve, I had my resolutions as get my first property, get my first property. Never happened until like 10 years later. But I wouldn't change it, but that, that's my regret. Number two is I regret that I would not have started with taking capital raise very seriously sooner. Yeah, that's important. Best ever listeners, if you are like Chad and I, you are a deal junkie, real estate's in your blood now. I'm assuming it is just by talking to you, oh, yeah. right? You're hooked now. You've got to eliminate that mindset of, yeah, I'm just going to use my own money. I'm never going to raise capital. I did that for probably 10 years. I was too scared to raise capital. I lied to myself by saying there's a sweet spot of commercial deals between 300000 and 800000 And really, that was just me justifying my fear of raising capital. And what changed for me was I realized a lot of these high net worth individuals don't have an avenue to invest money with the returns that we do. So yeah. when I finally realized that these guys and girls are making investments in bars, restaurants, marijuana companies, things that don't give them any returns, I realized yeah. I'm doing them a favor. And so are you. You're doing these people a favor by being a steward of their money helping them grow their money in ways that they don't have access to. So yeah. really important there. You're lucky. You learned this early on. You're so right, Ash. This is actually an opportunity that's unique. These aren't advertised online. They're not publicly known about all the time. So I think you're right there. And the second thing is I was just like you to where the first few deals, my mentality was I'll use my own money. I'll make my own mistakes. And that way, if I lose it all, it's my own money, not somebody else's. So while I still wish I would have started raising capital earlier, I think it was still good that I did the first couple on my own to make my own mistakes with my own money. And then it gave me confidence to use other people's money. I agree. And I think you should share that maybe in a newsletter or when you're on the phone with investors. I think that's very important because I think we've gotten a bad rap in this industry when there is very, very young people with no experience going to a boot camp, reading a book and raising $10 million for a deal. It's mind-blowing, yep. and we know yep. now a lot of those deals are suffering. So yep. increasingly, our industry is going to get a bad rap. So you sharing what you just said I think is very important and powerful for listeners to hear. Chad, we're running against the clock here, brother. Let's <laughs> hit the best-ever lightning round. And one of the questions I always ask is best-ever real estate investing advice. I'm sure for you it's getting started sooner. Yep. Yeah, I agree Absolutely. with that. I interviewed somebody not too long ago and they said, do one deal because he's never met a real estate investor that's only done one deal. You're so right. Yeah. Once you do one, sky's the limit. You're hooked. <laughs> Good. Another lightning round question. Chad, what is the best ever book you recently read? Who, not how. This book <laughs> just blew me away. I actually mailed it to 50 of my top clients as a thank you gift and they all loved it too. It was just so powerful just to show that it's all about creating more who's in your life to get accomplished what you want to get done. You can't scale despite being the one guy doing it all. Yeah, I don't think you need this next book, but Rocket Fuel, have you read that? I have, yep. Yeah, you know you're a visionary and you know that you have to have people around you that are integrators because are you one of those people that can start a lot of things but not follow through and finish them? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, look, again, man, I'm a late learner, 10 years. I thought bad about myself because 
I was envious of people who had a clean desk, people who can follow through and get things done. And reading that book, it made me realize it's a gift that I think much differently and I have no desire to complete tasks. As dumb as that sounds. (laughs) (laughs) You got to focus on unique ability. That's just how you are. Good for you. You're light years ahead of me. Chad, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, besides my local church, of course, like I mentioned earlier, I like to give back my time to help other people get started in the real estate. It's not a professional section of my business, but whenever people have questions from time to time, I love getting back that way. Good. And Chad, how can our best ever listeners reach out to you? So our website, investfocused, with an ed.com, investfocused.com, or my email at chad at investfocused.com. Chad, thank you for your time today. This was a great conversation I learned a lot. We did some good brainstorming and we got to hear your rise in real estate from zero to 140 units on six properties, lessons you've learned. And most importantly, you pushed yourself to get started. And that was it. Yeah. So thank you for your time again. Thank you. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with somebody you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.